0: Welcome back to another episode of the Love Your Bod Pod. I'm your host. I'm Kara Corincifelli. I'm a certified health coach and I help people heal their relationships with food and their bodies. And I'm also in training to become a breathwork facilitator, which I'm super freaking stoked about. Stay tuned for more about that if you're new to breathwork or have done breathwork and, you know, want to keep doing it. I think it's an awesome, awesome healing modality that really helps us get out of our head and into our bodies. Today we are interviewing the lovely Katie Lynch. She's a licensed clinical social worker and body image coach and today we talk about how often disordered eating behaviors are seen as normalized and so while a lot of society might praise us for what we're doing we get you know, where you're invited to take a look at what you're doing to see if maybe it actually isn't really that healthy. We talk about hating our body and the impact. We talk about using dieting as a distraction. We go deep into being a mom and how you can raise your kids to be intuitive eaters and what you can do to have a body neutral home or to help your children with body image. Katie is a mom of two. So it's a great episode if you are a, a parent or an aunt or an uncle, if you have little children in your life in any capacity. And we're going to talk about post-baby bodies and this message of get your body back. You know, the, those messages can be so intense and especially during such a, a difficult yet exciting beautiful time in our lives after having a, having a baby. And we go into befriending your body. So it's a really great episode. This is another one of those episodes where Katie is dropping like chicken nuggets of wisdom left and right and so insightful and so well-spoken. So I recommend taking notes Um, or, or not if you're driving, don't take notes. Please keep your hands on the wheel. But it's definitely one of those episodes where there's, potentially a lot of wisdom and insight for you to uncover so I'm really pumped to get into it before we dive in I just want to quickly speak about Food Body Soul this episode is brought to you by Food Body Soul the membership this is my favorite place it's a group coaching program and sisterhood for those looking to heal their relationship with food feel confident in their skin and cultivate a deeper connection to themselves it really is my favorite place ever Uh, the guidance and support that everyone inside shows each other is really just like so healing and enriching and it's just like like all the warm and fuzzies when I just get to witness this incredible group of of people humans support each other and love up on each other and being on the same journey as others knowing you're not alone there's really nothing like that so it is a safe place to work on food freedom and body liberation It's a place where you learn tools and strategies that I don't share anywhere else. So if you want to dive into that work, you can go to foodbodysoul.co to learn more. Again, foodbodysoul.co.co to learn more. Okay, so let's get into the interview with Katie. Like I had said, she is a licensed clinical social worker and body image coach. She works with women who are ready to take their power back and find their truest self after years of disordered behaviors. She lives in Chattanooga, I think I said that correctly, Tennessee, with her two daughters and her husband. So let's get into this awesome episode with the beautiful Katie Lynch.
1: For what I do, um, I am a licensed clinical social worker, licensed in Louisiana and Tennessee, and I provide therapy and coaching to people who are typically struggling with body and food and eating disorder-related issues, but I also do general counseling and therapy. um, And I started specializing in the body and eating disorder world in, I would say, like 2016, 2017, after I... Yield for my own eating disorder. Um, and so that really, I would say, like propelled me forward into being much more interested. It's also the same time that I got pregnant. So I got pregnant a year after recovery, and it felt really important to me at the time to make sure that I was doing well. Um, and especially Kind of like give myself like the best chance and my children. I have two now, but at the time, mom, my baby, the best chance at like having a body neutral home, and so that was my main focus. And then I just kind of became really anchored in on that content and advocacy work. And it's just been a big passion of mine for the last five. What year are we in? Twenty twenty one. For the last five years. Um, And it started like, I wanted to be a therapist when I was 14, um, I started to go to therapy at 14. I struggled with OCD and I didn't know that I was struggling with OCD, but, um, basically since that age, and I like was helped so much that I just wanted to be able to provide that same safety and healing for other people. So there wasn't ever really a question from like age 14 on of what I wanted to do. So I went to college, I did psychology and then straight from college, I got my master's in social work. Straight from that, I got licensed. Um, and I hadn't, an, I would say I had a, probably an active eating disorder for the end of grad school until like, so that would be for me 2012 to 2015. Um, so I was a therapist at that time and I really didn't know that I had eating stuff. Like I thought I was just partaking in like what, how everyone else lived their lives and, you know, diet, the diet industry and diet culture really, um, confused me, I guess, and played a very big role for me in believing that what I was doing was healthy and not, and I didn't think that I was sick at all. Um, and obviously that got worse as time went on, but like early on in the beginning. And I mean, I really just thought that's what I had to do to be healthy. And so, um, yeah. Does that answer that question?
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. of, of course. Yeah. Okay. I'd, I'd love to dig a little bit deeper into that because I feel like your situation, your experience of like, I just thought I was doing what I needed to do. I thought I was just taking mm-hmm. care of my health, I think is so, yeah. so common.
1: Yeah. And it was, so I grew up, um, wasn't big by any means. I didn't live in a larger body, but I was bigger than everyone around me. And so I always carried that discomfort. And in college, I felt the same way looking back. I wasn't, you know, like I wasn't, but I always felt uncomfortable in my skin. And so at some point, I mean. It, there was a turning point. I ended a relationship, a long-term relationship of like three and a half years with my college boyfriend. And I was like, I'm going to lose the weight finally, right? Like I'm going to get there. I had a goal. I got there and I got there fast. And it was essentially from Weight Watchers, which was like my diet of choice. And, um, I mean, I felt pretty high off of that. Um, It was easy to lose that weight for me and really hard to maintain. So what that looked like for me meant like continuing to basically count points for the next four years. And, um, for me, what that looked like was like eating very much below the minimum of what I was supposed to eat every day. Cause I thought I was like, it was a prize and an accomplishment if I had eaten under the allotted points for like my body or whatever. Um, and I did think that that was healthy and no one around me acted otherwise. Like everyone was like, you look so great. You're so thin. You did it. You know, like you did it kind of like after all these years of complaining about your weight, you finally got there. And I did, I did complain about my weight since I was like six till 23. I mean, and it's not like I've never complained about it since. Right. But like I, that was such a focus in my life. And so once I finally got to that place where I thought that I was thin, that still wasn't enough though. Right. So like, I was like, I had my momentary high and then it quickly kind of dwindled. And I was like, I need to, like, I want, I want to move, lose more five pounds. I'll be there. I'll be happy, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I really just truly believed that I was eating in accordance of what was healthy. Um, and I think it might've started off that way. Like, I really do think that I was trying to be more mindful of what I was putting into my body, but there was also heavy restriction happening at the time. And at some point restriction just meant healthy to me. Um, it just meant the same thing. And so Um, It didn't feel like an eating disorder. It didn't feel like I was engaging in behaviors until like I stopped. And then I was like, whoa, that was some shit. Right. But like at the time, so normalized, beyond normalization, validated, Um, and even validation in the behaviors. Right. So like friends being proud, maybe proud is not the right word, but like admire that like I was eating more greens than usual, maybe. And parents like, wow, you look so good, you know? And, and I would get these, these like, Oh, I finally did it, you know, or like, I finally can accept myself or people finally accept me. And it really did feel that way. And it wasn't until maybe like several years ago that I realized like, Oh, that's about them. (laughs) Like, like their reaction to my body stuff. That was about them. It wasn't about me but it didn't feel like that. And when you're in it, it doesn't feel like that. You're just like, so happy to get acknowledged for that because that feels like such a value set in our world. And when you're like meeting people's values, that feels good. Um, and getting praised for it. So um, yeah. And especially now, like in, in the world we live in, like health and wellness is so big, right. It's such a, it's so, I don't know, it's big, I guess is really what I wanna say. And I think the industry makes people feel really confused about what that means and what is actual health versus what type of health they might be selling to
0: you. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you for sharing all of that. So I'm, I'm curious, two things, two, two little pins I'd like to track back to is what had you, what was sort of the pivot or the turning point where you were like, oh, maybe this isn't healthy and I need to get help. Um, and what would you say to somebody who thinks they're pursuing health, but is actually caught up in disorder? What would be some of the things that they could look for to know because I'm assuming there's people listening who maybe think they're pursuing health, or maybe there's somebody in their life who thinks they're pursuing health. So what are some of the things that people could look for to say to, that they could ask themselves?
1: Yeah. Okay. So I ask this to clients every day and it's, what is your intention? What is your intention behind what you're pursuing? And so they will say, I want to be healthier for the most part. Like, and then I will ask, do you want to be healthier or do you want to be skinnier? Right? And they're like, well, what if it's the same? And I'll say, okay, what if I said that for you, in order for you to achieve optimal health, you have to gain 20 pounds, would you do it? Everybody gets like stark silent, right? They're like, F no, you know, like I don't wanna gain 20 pounds. And so that's where we get into what's your intention. There is nothing wrong with pursuing health, right? We just have to understand what that means health is not necessarily weight loss for everyone for some people it may be a byproduct of choosing yourself of loving yourself of caring for yourself of adding more things in but that's not the case for everyone and so what can that look like right so you may not feel in tune with yourself but you have an inner knowing and a a gut feeling about these things whether you're able to pay attention to them or not may be tricky especially if you maybe are not fueling yourself the way that you need to. My intuition was lost for a long time while I was in my active disorder. Um, I think, frankly, I don't think I had enough food in my body to be able to pay attention to anything, but um, asking yourself, does this make me feel good? Like truly, like how do I feel when I eat X, Y, and Z, or how do I feel when I'm working out in this capacity? How do I feel when I'm hanging around these people? How do I feel when I'm talking about this? We don't check in with ourselves, right? We don't ask ourselves how we're doing. We're much more likely to ask other people how they're doing. We're often pretty uncomfortable with our own mess or our own feelings or our own thoughts. And so if you are trying to achieve health, I want to normalize that and validate that. And I'm I'm trying to achieve health too, right? Like this is like, I want to feel healthy. I want to feel good, but what are the means behind it? And what is your, what is the intention is always kind of the like ringer in the background. And health, at least for me means a lot of things. For me, it means like, who am I I spending time with? What am I consuming? Um, What am I reading? What am I listening to? What am I eating is something, how much am I moving, right? But so much of health to me is like, what am I thinking and feeling? Because if all of those things are not aligned, nothing will really feel good, right? So I may have quote unquote, looked healthy five years, I don't know, it depends on who you are, right? If I looked healthier five years ago, but I was anxious, depressed, obsessive, fearful, You know, like that doesn't sound healthy to me. So, so it's really getting into the, to, I think like this deep emotion behind all of it. And sometimes you can't do that by yourself, right? Like you may need to work that out with somebody who knows what they're doing. Like I couldn't have figured this out on my own. I would have been like, what are you talking about? You know, like health and that's are the same thing or health and thinness or health and exercise are the same and they weren't and they aren't. And then I think you asked why I like, what shifted for me. Okay, um, so there was, I got engaged in 2014 and I got married a year later. And that whole year was just like a very typical diet culture obsessed bride who, um, I mean, I was literally just trying to lose the same five pounds over and over again. And that's really all it was. And I couldn't stop myself from it. And I was miserable at this point, I often, like, I didn't go to the bathroom. Like I was so constipated. Like I was starting to have physical problems from my eating disorder. And so those things I started to pay more attention to, but I still did not put it together at all. I was like, I'm not eating enough fiber, right? Like there was stuff that I was telling myself, or maybe like what I was reading was telling me, but there got to, there was a point and it was, um, I went on my honeymoon and I was like, if I can't stop now, like, like, I'm like, okay, I finally got to the weight. Like I'm done. Right. And I wasn't done. Like I got home from my honeymoon and I immediately got on the scale and I immediately went back to all the behaviors. And I was like, so this wasn't just about my wedding, right? Like, that's not what it was about. And so I got married in November. I started treatment and for treatment for me meant outpatient um, therapy and dietitian and group in January. Um, and I never looked back. It doesn't mean I haven't had hard times, but I was like, this is pure miserable. I am crying over my scale, right? Like I got home from my honeymoon and I had the best time, but I was also thinking about how much weight I might've been gaining (laughs) on this like four day trip to Mexico. And, and I was like, okay, this probably really wasn't just about looking skinny in my wedding dress. Um, and it wasn't. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think that answers those.
0: Yeah, no, that was very beautiful and well said and, and really helpful. And it sounds like on some levels, you just got really radically honest with yourself and got real I was with so yourself. tired, like tired of feeling
1: like shit. And I didn't necessarily put it together, but I put it together enough <laughs> is that and, and and also I'm a therapist this whole time and I'm still not like seeing it like I am and and I know that I'm not seeing it because what I'm doing looks really normal mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. it looks really normal um and unless you're in my brain you don't know what I'm thinking or feeling all day and so it's not like people should have known like it wasn't one of those case scenarios it, I mean I looked very normal and this is in quotations for people listening um and so you never would have known, mm-hmm. um, but I was miserable mm-hmm. and I had a therapist before eating sort of therapy and she would check in and she'd be like, you doing okay. You know, you're looking like not so great. And I would get high off of that stuff when she would tell me that I'd be like, oh, it's working. Right. And like, but when she was saying that it still planted in me, like still something was happening. I may not have been ready. But I could tell that there was at least one person in my life who was worried, right? And that worry helped, right? Because it made it seem like, oh, she doesn't think that me being skinny is amazing. <laughs> like, like she doesn't think that that's the coolest thing in the whole world. Whereas everyone else I thought thought that. Mm. Whether they actually thought that, probably not. But I believe that they did. And so when she would start to ask stuff like that or pay attention to it more, you know, I remember asking her one day, like, wait, do you like eat rice for dinner? Cause I was so amazed at people who would eat carbohydrates at night. Like, I was like, how do you do it? You know, she's like, yeah, I eat carbs every meal. And I was like, you know, like mind, mind blown and <laughs> sounds so stupid. <laughs> and, and like, but those things like left little you know, there were like winks to pay attention, I guess. Mm -hmm. And eventually I got there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I like on, I, I feel you when you were like, it sounds so stupid to be like, oh, you eat carbs at every meal or, oh, you eat carbs at dinner. And also when you really take a look out at the world at wellness culture and like keto and Atkins and low carb this, it's like from our perspective. Right. Right. Um, But like, it's everywhere.
1: I know. Well, and and like, you know, it sounds so it sounds so silly because it is that silly, right? But we are taught to believe it. And so it feels like a belief system, right? Like we've all, I think, in one way or another been taught to believe that like certain carbohydrates are dangerous. (laughs) And I'm using that language on purpose because that's how it's framed and that's how silly it is, right? And for me, like really learning about that stuff, like really learning about diet culture, really learning about fat phobia, really learning about that stuff. Those were the turning points for me in recovery because it allowed me to blame somebody else, like not me, (laughs) right. Or not my mom or not anybody because we are all, I mean, we're not, I'm not going to say like victims, because I don't love that, but we are all programmed to believe these things. And we don't have to, you get to choose once you're, once you know, right. Once you're on the other side. Um, but until you're there, you just think that this is how you must live, right. Or how everyone else lives. It, if you're trying to maintain a weight that maybe isn't like the right weight for you.
0: Yeah. It's really hard to maintain a weight that is below your body's. <laughs> point it's right, like Your
1: body doesn't want to be.
0: <laughs> no, no. Um, I, someone on my podcast, I've, I've, I hate that I'm drawing a blank on their name, but um, they had said that trying to keep your weight below uh, where your body wants to be is like holding a beach ball underwater Mm -hmm. and like one (laughs) tiny quote, little slip up. And it's like,
1: yes, I know. I totally agree. And, but people don't know that, right? Like, and they don't know that a lot of your weight is related to genetics, right? Like we don't know that. And people, even if they do know that, they don't want to believe it. They don't want to believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Because we've been taught that we have all this control over it. Mm-hmm. And, and then that taught and that teaching just keeps getting reinforced by all of these companies and Instagram accounts and whatever's right. That like, keep telling you, you're just not working hard enough <laughs> or you'll finally get there. Right. And, and you could get there. It just will be very painful and you
0: probably won't stay there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd love to talk about a couple of things that you've posted on Instagram. I think they're really great topics. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) One post that you had is around how hating your body requires a lot of energy. Mm
1: -hmm. And another
0: topic that you've covered is how dieting is a distraction. So can you share with what you mean by those those two statements. I think they're very powerful. Yes. Okay.
1: So I'll do, okay. The energy one first. Okay. I didn't realize this, but so hate and love, right? They're two very intense feelings. They often feel polarizing, but they're really not. And when we are in them, right? You're in them. Like there's a lot of intensity and energy and vibration behind it, right? So like, if I hate somebody, that must mean I am triggered by them. That must mean I have an emotional connection to them. It it means something, right? So when you think about something you hate or somebody you hate, you typically get like a, a visceral bodily reaction. Okay. And so same thing with your body. Your body is a relationship that you have with yourself, right? So, and that's how I like to like look at body image stuff is it's a relationship. And so if you hate your body, that also means you're spending a whole lot of time and energy thinking about it and feeling about that, right? So something that you don't hate, you don't have energy for, right? Like something you're not thinking about, you're not obsessing about, your emotion, your emotionality is not there, right? So the idea behind like neutrality is for it to not have so much, to not carry so much weight. And I know that that's like a funky word to use for this time, but like when we are neutral about something, we're like, this is okay. Like there's an okayness around it. When we hate something, we have a lot of fire built up around it. Right. And so it's kind of, it's kind of like hating another person, right? Like you're spending a a lot of time and it gives that person and it gives your body image or gives your body a lot of power and it doesn't give you any, right? So also when we give something like that energy, it also means it's probably consuming and occupying your thoughts a lot of the time. Um, which then leads into distraction. So if we are consumed with something and have a lot of energy behind it, there also might be a part of you that is trying to distract yourself from something else. Dieting, for an example, or like like, over-exercising or overworking or whatever it is, these are all like can be compulsive behaviors. And and oftentimes people do these things to self-soothe in a form of distraction. So for me, when I broke up with my boyfriend, I was miserable, right? I was really sad. I had decided that, um, I mean, we were kids, but like, I thought I was going to marry him. Like there was a lot of emotion behind that breakup. And I didn't want to feel that emotion because it was too painful. So I decided subconsciously and maybe consciously too, that I wasn't going to think about. I wasn't going to feel about it, but I was going to do something else. I was going to distract myself and I was going to lose the weight and he was going to notice me and he was going to take me, you know, like there, like there, I had a plan and I was going to distract myself so that I didn't have to feel my pain. And so I think when we are doing anything obsessively, which diet, dieting is often very obsessive, or if we're doing anything um, compulsively, it is. It's an attempt at self-soothing, but it's also an attempt to not feel what we're feeling, right? So for example, like 2020, like a pretty typically, I would say most people would say difficult year for most of us, regardless of your life situation. People were handed newness to them in chaos, and it made a lot of people want to use behaviors, or diet or like start a new exercise routine. And it's because the world felt really chaotic and scary and you were might maybe searching for safety. And so in searching for safety, you were likely trying to distract yourself from like the tough feelings that you, that were probably surfacing. Um, Yeah, I hope that answers those two.
0: Yeah, no, no, really like beautifully said. So if somebody is listening and they're like, huh, (laughs) okay all right I'm picking up what you're putting down right they're like maybe I'm distracting myself from this other Mm -hmm. big hairy elephant in the room now what
1: well first of all like props to you for acknowledging (laughs) that you're distracting yourself right I mean there's a lot of things you can do right like you can do nothing you can seek out help right if like therapy or coaching is not a financial option to you. You can buy the intuitive eating workbook, right? Like there are a lot of things that I think we can do. We can stock people like me and Kara's Instagrams for validation and support, which is all free. You know, there are a lot of things people can do. Um, But I think getting real with yourself about it is the most important step, right? Is recognizing, am I distracting myself from, my emotions. And I think most people would say yes. Like, I think that's actually a pretty easy one to say. The hard part is like, now what? And then now what is up to you, right? Is like, what do you want to do with this? Do you want to keep living this way? Is this, what is this life bringing you joy? Do you want to live a different way? Right? Like we do. Once you get to that first part, you get to
0: control the outcome of the rest of it. If you want. Yeah. Beautiful. So I'd love to shift gears here. You know, I, I really want to dive into, uh, picking your, your brain and your expertise and your wisdom around being a mom there and having, (laughs) having daughters. So I have a, a couple of things in this area. I'd love to ask you. So you're a mom, what advice do you have for moms who want to make sure they raise their kids to be intuitive eaters? What are you doing to make sure that you have a weight neutral home? Like you had said earlier? Yeah.
1: So funny that you, it's like synchronicity, but I'm doing a masterclass on Thursday. I don't know when this is going to air, but on February, it's early February right now. And um, I felt like I need to talk about how to talk to kids about food, right? Like how can other parents, professionals, teachers, people who work with children, how do we talk to them about food in their bodies? Because that's where it starts, right? If you ask any, not anyone, Most people where their body stuff started, they will all say when I was a kid for the most part. Right. And so what do we do? Um, We do a lot of things and it's really important to me. um, And it's literally every day I have to practice every single day. And so um, some things that I make a priority are to make sure that my kids see me eating. So it wasn't that long, so I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. So the three-year-old obviously like can talk, pay attention to me, knows what's up. The one-year-old obviously can pay attention to me, but we're in a different relationship. <laughs> and so Ellen is my three-year-old, and our routine in the morning looks like me or my husband will make them breakfast. Um, they'll go to school or daycare, and I will eat afterwards because I'm just busy. So I usually eat when they go. And so Ellen said, like, "Mama, you don't eat breakfast." And I was like, fuck. And I was like, no, I, I mean, I do. I just, you don't see me eat breakfast. Right. And so that moment was a big, like, she needs to see you do these things. Right. Because what she doesn't see is also just as important as what she is seeing. And so we do our best to do like family meals, whether that's breakfast or dinner. Um, and the way that I serve food, it has been important to me. So And I've like followed a lot of dietitian accounts, which have been really helpful. Um, But allowing myself to know that what they eat, what they choose to eat isn't my job. So all my job is, is to serve and to like provide. And that took a big weight off of me. And so a lot of parents um, reach out to me or ask me like, how do I get my kids to eat vegetables? And they never like when I say this and I say, you don't like that's not, your job is not to get them to eat the vegetables. Your job is to show them vegetables, right? Your job is to show them fruit. Your job is to show them whole grains and pizza and chicken, right? Like your job is to do that and honestly to not make it a big deal. So that's what I'm gonna talk about on my masterclass. And what I think I'm just gonna be talking about more in general is kids have problems with food and body when people are talking about it a lot. Right. So, like, what is the energy behind your dinner? (laughs) Right. Like, are you making it a really big deal? Even if you're trying to praise, right. So, like, I have done all this. Like, I am not perfect by any means, but if Ellen has her broccoli, she doesn't really eat it. She won't really eat it. I have to be really careful not to be like, oh my God, I'm so proud of you that you ate your broccoli. Right. And that's your natural (laughs) inclination is to do that. But I'm not saying that to her about the macaroni. Right. And so whether she knows it or not, she's picking up on these cues from me and like, what, what means, you know, what I'm proud of versus what I'm not proud of. And so my main goal is to shut the F up when we're together eating. That is my main goal. As far as like body stuff, like, um, you know, I tell them they're beautiful. I can't not tell them that, but I also tell them other things. Right. So, what feels really important to me is, I had another thought, but, um, which is why I stopped talking, but it's to talk to them about what their body offers them, what it does for them, how it works for them. You can talk about how like beautiful it is too, but having that not be the thing, like the only thing, right? So if your children are in sports or, They like to do art or they like to dance, like talking about their bodies, allowing them to do those things. So allowing them to live out their life. Um, That is a shift that I also brought upon myself. And I definitely want to say prior, like, like prior to all this, this will be very hard for you if you aren't good with yourself and your food and body, right? So these things will feel like, you know, an alien has taken over your presence. If you don't, Practice these things already for yourself, or if you really struggle with this. And this is not to say this can't get better for you. It can and you can help your kids. But I will say I think a lot of it will start with you healing yourself. It's really hard to say these things. Well, actually, no, it's not hard to say them. But if you don't believe them, neither will your kids, right? Like kids are intuitive and they pick up on your energy. And if you're saying like, oh yeah, like it's totally fine if you eat pizza, but you don't feel that way, they'll know, right? And kids want to please their parents, right? Like kids are, they want praise, they want affection, they want validation. And so I think that before all anything, before anything, check in with yourself around your relationship with food and body, because it is just because you exist affecting them too. So but more like toolsy things. Like we don't talk about numbers. We don't talk about weight. We don't talk about scales. Um, and I'm like, just mindful of language around it. Right. Like that has been a big deal. You know, like when she gets weighed at the doctor's office, it's always a good thing, you know, like it's never, you know, and, and we luckily have good doctors. Right. But like, it's, it's weight neutral. Right. And Because that's so important to me, it doesn't mean I don't make mistakes because I do, right? Um, But I'm really conscious of it. And so I think that that consciousness has made it at least feel it, it feels good in my house. And that's really all I can do. I can't control or protect what's outside of my house, right? Like at school. So Ellen came home from school, like maybe a month ago, two months ago. And she said that she had a happy plate. She had did a happy plate. And I was like, what is that? She's like, well, I ate my whole plate. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, honey, every plate is a happy plate. You know, like no matter how much you eat, if you finish it, if you don't finish it, all that matters is that you enjoyed your meal and that you're full in your tummy. She kept saying happy plate for a while when she would eat the whole thing. And I kept saying the same thing over and over and over again she doesn't say it anymore. And it doesn't mean it's because I did magic. Right. But that, but I am, I do bring into like those things at top of mind when they're happening so that she doesn't think that a sad plate (laughs) is if she didn't eat enough, right. Or didn't eat all of it or didn't eat her vegetables. And maybe her teachers are saying something like that. Maybe another kid says something like that, but you know what? I don't like spend time thinking about that. I don't like, that's not energy I'm putting on. Like, that's not where I'm expending. I'm going to expend it at my house. And, but ultimately the work is within me. And if I'm working on it by proxy, it won't be that challenging for me. I also have really little kids. So that may change as they get older, but I also like look for support and resources when I don't know what to do. Right. And I knowingly don't know what to do a lot of the time. And so that kind of takes some pressure off me (laughs) Um, that I just ask for help. Like what's a good way to approach this or how do I say this? Or, you know, people ask me a lot about like dessert, like, you know, like if I just give my child a cookie, they won't eat anything else. And I will ask them if they've tried it yet. Right. Like they just people decide things are going to happen before they actually happen. And so, you know, doing it different, like seeing what it looks like. But truly my biggest, biggest, biggest advice around food with kids is not to say that much.
0: And just like let them trust their bodies and do what they do and, and get in right. tune with them. And yeah.
1: Because we're the ones that have decided these things, right? Like we're right. the ones that have labeled pizza as this, broccoli as this. They don't know. Right. Right. Like to them, it's all the same. So if we act like anything is a big effing deal, they're going to notice. Mm. Right. I also saw like, I don't know, somebody on Instagram did like, She acted as if like, if she were, well, you know how parents act, like talk to children about like, eat your broccoli first or like do this first. And she did like a, like a spoof of like what that would be like as an adult. And that really resonated with me because I can't imagine somebody telling me what to eat today, you know, or like telling me how much, or you can't have your chicken until you eat your broccoli. And, and that, I was like, whoa. Like the more that somebody tells you what to do, guess what happens? The more <laughs> resistance you're going to find. <laughs> 100%. Right? So I was like, I am literally never, ever saying that again. And I have said it since, right? Like I and I'm like I said, I'm a human, but like there, it is not gonna come out of my body. It's not gonna come out of my brain to tell my children, you have to eat your broccoli or you can't get it from the couch. Like if somebody dared say that to me, you know? Right. Like they would lose their head. Right. And so like children are still people, right? Like they have innate intuitive wisdom about what they want and need. And it's okay. If they don't like vegetables at this time in their lives, I didn't like vegetables till I was like 27. I'm fine. You know, you survived. I'm doing well. Right. And most kids that don't eat vegetables typically like fruit. Right. And you can get the same nutrients out of them. And if you don't know that follow these accounts that will tell you that. And like, so that you can like take a sigh of relief, you know, Mm -hmm. the more that you push, the more that you force, imagine what somebody was doing that to you. You'd be so mad. Mm -hmm. Right. And you'd push back more. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, really great advice. I really appreciate that. And I really love that you brought into the conversation about doing your own healing work you know, if you're a mom and you're struggling, one of the best things that you can do is is, to help your kids is to seek out your own support. And just by Mm -hmm. proxy, just by energy, that'll have a ripple effect. I think that's also really great advice. And also the, the less you say, it sounds like the better in a lot of regards.
1: I've noticed it, you know, like just even yesterday, like, so we were like, you know, she doesn't always eat what I serve. And I like, I can't get my feelings hurt about it. (laughs) Right. Like I really try not to let my, my energy soak, you know, like not to make it personal. Right. But also like her body will tell her what she needs. And the fact that that's really hard for us to believe is because we don't believe it for ourselves. Right. So like Ellen, what did we make yesterday? Oh, we made this, I made chicken and sweet potato fries and hummus, and she didn't eat the chicken or the sweet potato fries, but she wanted the hummus and I got her carrots and I didn't expect her to eat them because she normally doesn't. And she had a bunch of carrots, right? And why? Because I didn't make it a big deal. I wasn't talking about how they were like really good for her, right? Like, (laughs) no, like I just sat there and I ate my dinner and she ate her dinner and it was over, Right. Because truly, even if you're trying your best to say like, oh my God, I'm so happy you're eating vegetables. They're going to be like, why are you so weird? You know, <laughs> like what's wrong with you? Like, we don't want to give this. If you're not going to say that about a cookie, don't say it about carrots. Are you like, oh my God, I'm so happy you ate three cookies. You're probably not going to say that. Right. So don't say it about the broccoli. They're going to pick up, pick up on it. They're going to know. And they're going to be like, what, what do you, what is wrong with you?
0: Right. Whether and or it- not
1: like they actually know or not. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it ingrains that good food, bad food thing. Exactly. It starts it.
1: It does. It does. And that's happening anywhere, right? That's happening at school. That's happening with their friends. It's happening at their other friends' houses. So it doesn't have to happen in yours.
0: Right. And that's all we can control. Yes. Very wise advice of that last little pin there. Yeah. So let's, I want to shift gears, same realm of, of mommy and babies, but for, for women who are really struggling with post baby bodies, or they're really struggling with the get your body back messages. Um, they're struggling with weight gain from pregnancy. What support advice do you have for them?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we live in a world that really, really demands <laughs> that you like get it back really quick. Right. And so I want to normalize that that experience is likely happening for you. You may have friends who look like they didn't have a baby after they had a baby and that may be triggering for you. I also want to give any of those people who are experiencing that permission to opt out of that narrative. That like You don't have to participate in that. It doesn't mean it's easy not to, but it will give your, you a sigh of relief. And here's the thing. Your body's going to do its thing right? So like if you carried a baby for nine or 10 months, your body's going to need at least nine or 10 months to heal at least. And so you can try to rush it. You can try to do all these things. You can diet, you can exercise too much. Your body doesn't want you to do that. It wants to heal on its own. So like how to deal with that messaging is simple and hard at the same time. So hard in the sense that it may be all around you simple in the sense that it is our decision to like suck up that energy. Right. So I am lucky in the sense that I healed my eating disorder before I got pregnant. And so it doesn't mean that I didn't have a hard postpartum time, but I didn't allow myself to get trapped in a belief That like, I have to lose all this weight within three months. I also know that that's illogical, right? Like, like I said, it takes so long and so much time and energy for your body to build a baby. The reality is, is that it's going to take a lot of time for it to heal afterwards. Another thing I want to say is during the postpartum period, you're extremely emotional, you're hormonal, your whole life has changed. And so it makes sense to want to grasp for control somewhere, right? So a lot of people are feeling scared, out of control, fearful. Naturally, you just had a baby, a life-changing experience. So it might give you this like high to lose 20 pounds, right? Normalize it, I get it. If your body is meant to lose the 20 pounds, it's gonna lose it. And that feeling that you're trying to achieve through like trying to get control really just means that you're probably needing more support probably means that you need more sleep. It probably means that you need, that some of your basic needs aren't being met, which is very common for the postpartum period. And so you can listen to those thoughts about dieting and weight loss and pay attention to them, but you can also decide, okay, I'm obsessing about this. Does this possibly mean that I need something else? I notice that when I'm having body thoughts, ed thoughts, It means that something is not being taken care of in my soul, right? So what is missing? Do I need a nap? Do I need attention? (laughs) Do I need to go on a date? Do I need a break, right? And new moms need all of those things, right? And so giving yourself grace and compassion. And if you're having a hard time doing that, to find somebody who can help you through that process because most women I find have a really hard time giving themselves compassion. We don't really know how to do it. We don't know what that means. We don't know what that looks like. We know how to do it for other people, but it feels really hard to turn inward. And so if you are having a hard time with that, you deserve to have somebody to kind of coach you through that process of what that looks like and being mindful of the fact that your body is an extension of your emotions, right? So anytime that you're feeling anxiety or maybe you're feeling depressed or fearful, your body is holding those feelings for you. And so you might have more hard body body image days too, right? So it kind of is this really big period of transformation and like can be really scary and can be really healing but we, you do not have to opt into that diet culture narrative. It is truly a choice. It may not feel like a choice, but it is, right? And if you're meant to lose weight, you will. And if you're not, you won't. And I know that that is like easier said than done. <laughs> I understand that. Um, but your body's going to heal and it's going to take its time to heal because that's like the healthy thing for it to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I have um, one last question here. And before we wrap up with our fun question, so you had said um, (laughs) um, that it's a choice. Um, And you've actually talked a lot about personal choices uh, on your Instagram related to, to body image and to food freedom. And for a lot of us, those ingrained choices are the dieting, the restriction, the overexercising, the shaming of ourselves, that, that The inner critic, the inner bully, the negative self talk. For somebody who wants to choose freedom and peace, but is really struggling, I know you had said you deserve support. So, like finding help, but do you have any other advice for somebody who's in that position?
1: Yes. So, for people, and most, I mean, this is very common in eating disorders or body image issues, is that we are our own worst nightmare right? Like we are the meanest to ourselves possible. We're critical, often perfectionistic, you know, not everybody, but my friend Bree, body image with Bree, if anybody follows her, she says, "Oh yeah, fuck yeah. yeah, she says, if it's not true for them, it's not true for you. And I just love it. Right. Like, so we often feel like we, we should suffer. <laughs> we can't heal like everyone else deserves food freedom, but we don't. Right. And I also want to, so, so if you're in that place, right. Of like sitting in that wanting other people to be okay, but not knowing if you deserve it, that deservingness, ask yourself why it would be true for other people, but not you, what makes you so damn special that you don't deserve love and support and freedom. And I mean, special in like a funky way, right? Like (laughs) what makes you like that rare unicorn that can't heal right? Because you're not. And in a very loving way, you can heal too, right? But that's part of like the eating disorder. That's part of like the body obsession is it's going to tell you that you can't do it, Mm -hmm. that you're different, Mm -hmm. right? And if you ever get into a room full of other people who have struggled with that, everyone will say the same thing. So you can, but the whole thing is like, allow yourself to question it right? So get into that headspace of asking myself, if it's not true for them, is it true for me? What would it look like? Right? Like just kind of playing with that. You don't have to commit, right? You don't have to decide you're not going to criticize yourself ever again. That's never. I mean, likely that won't happen. Right. Like, but what would it be like if we extended ourselves the same grace we extend others? Just what would that feel like? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, the way right. you talk to your friends is likely the way you don't talk to your, not, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you probably don't talk to yourself the way you talk to your friends, right? Yeah. If you did, like, it's would to be very nice. And so. You probably not have many friends. You have zero friends. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and so recognizing that, why is that okay? Why is it normalized to be so mean to yourself, right? Like it's not cute. Like, it's, we don't have to have a party for that, right? Self-deprecation is not the answer. Self-criticism is not the answer, right? And so I think in the beginning, it's questioning it. For me, it was questioning, why is it so hard for me to be nice to myself? Why does that feel so uncomfortable and so painful? So yeah, yeah. journal about it. I mm-hmm. think that would be a good place to start. Asking yourself, why you, mm-hmm. you know? why do you deserve the meanness? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I also like piggybacking on that, like also hearing like, Oh, intuitive eating works for other people, but it, it won't work for me. Like <laughs> I can't be an intuitive eater. Guess who's thought that every single
1: person who's done intuitive eating. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah <laughs> Stephanie Webb, I've heard her before um, say like, you're not that special. You are not like the one person it doesn't Literally. work for. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I know. And my, I have a, a, like a digital course and I'm like, you're very special, but it's not because of your eating disorder, right? <laughs> like, yeah, that's not why
0: Yeah,
1: it will make you think that you're different, right? You are not different. Yeah. You are different <laughs> in the fact that you are like unique and wonderful and have lots of gifts, but you are not different. in the fact that this disorder looks really similar, it just lands differently.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lindsay hall also talks about that on her Instagram of like, you think that your thing is like so, so fucked she up. She got a
1: really good post about that recently. And I was like, yikes, yeah, you know, yeah. like, like I just related, to, I don't luckily relate anymore, but related hard, <laughs> right. That like, I'm was just really different. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. We must be talking about the same post.
0: Yeah. Cause I, I, like I saw
1: it recently. We're like real life friends too.
0: Oh, I just Ooh. interviewed her last week for the podcast best. Love Love that. Okay. Um, last little fun question. What are you most excited about in life right now?
1: Well, I'm excited because I think, no, I know this. I feel that my business is shifting. I'm not exactly sure where I'm going. Um, I'm still going to be very passionate about body liberation and, you know, helping people struggle with body image and eating disorders, but it might look different. Um, so, and I don't really know what that is yet, but I know something is changing. Um, so I'm excited about not really knowing what I'm doing (laughs) and also really, really scared about it, but knowing that, um, I'm just feeling excited about something being like a shift, knowing that, um, something, something, something is coming. Yeah. And I'm excited and hopeful that 2021 will feel better than 2020 did. Nice. Yeah, (laughs)
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Katie, this has been amazing. You've shared such helpful wisdom for all of us, uh, anyone struggling. It's been really great. If people want to learn more, they want to connect with you, where should they go? How can they work with you if they're curious?
1: So my Instagram is
0: Katie, C-A-T-I-E, Lynch, O I N
1: C H L C S W. And that is the same as my website, just with a www and a dot com. And my email is also that that same thing at Gmail. And I run a few different things. I do a group. I do one-on-one therapy and one-on-one coaching. I have a digital course out for sale right now. So there's just like a bunch of different things um, and at different price points to be accommodating so I often do like pop-up master classes for because I love them I love teaching um and those are pretty affordable so for somebody who is on a budget, I mean everybody's on a budget right but like for somebody who is <laughs> like I want to work with you but I can't afford coaching or whatever like these are some good opportunities they're live I answer questions um and you can learn and build community so Thank you, Kara. I really appreciate your time.
0: Yeah, it was so great to have you on here. Thank you. Thank you. Wait, don't go yet. Was this episode helpful? If it was, the most helpful thing you can do in return is to share it with a friend, share it in your Instagram stories, or leave a ratings and review on iTunes. That really is the best way to help keep the podcast going it really lets me know that you're listening it helps it reach more people and it's just a great it just feels so good I love reading your reviews and seeing that you share so I would love to invite you to doing that if you feel called, if you're getting something out of the pod. And if you want to take this work deeper, you really want to be guided and have support while you heal your relationship with food, be sure to check out Food Body Soul, the membership. Again, it is a group coaching community and sisterhood for those looking to heal their relationship with food, feel confident in their skin, and cultivate a deeper connection to themselves. It's a really beautiful, supportive, nurturing community where you can do this work with other people on the same journey and it really cultivates the strong sense of of belonging and sisterhood and that in and of itself can be so transformative so be sure to check out foodbodysoul.co if you want to learn more about that Thank you so much for listening to the love your bod pod. Uh, If you got a lot out of this episode, reach out to Katie, let her know, let her know how awesome it was. Cause I know that I got a lot out of it, uh, even just listening to it, editing it and being in the conversation with her. So thank you guys so much. We'll talk soon.